Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now we are a proud member of the 143 podcast network Never know how to start these out. <laughs> I never do either. We should have, we should just automatically just start recording when the phone answers and just work it out. But yeah, uh, we're live. It's a crazy time in the uh, the world. <laughs> I have been absent from everywhere. I actually had somebody message me through two different things today that uh, uh concerned about me because I've been so so quiet out there and uh haven't been recording on uh with my cousin dave and 2bt and over god i don't even remember the last time you, uh, it's been almost two months you said since we recorded this i haven't been over I, you know i haven't recorded remotely or with him on 2bt in god knows when over a month uh and just because it's been a weird time i've been sick um I do not have coronavirus according to the test. I feel like I do, but, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's been a weird, weird last couple of months. Yeah. It's, it's been a wild time. And the last couple of weeks have been, uh, interesting in a different way. I've had less to deal with out in the real world. Uh, I, I have been temporarily out of work uh so i've had time to kind of i mean i've still had stuff to do for work uh, but my job doesn't exactly lend itself to uh doing the whole shebang from at home so it's been a little different yeah but i've had it took it was weird too like uh we shut down and it took me like probably over the weekend to decompress all the stress that had built up oh yeah and then after that it was just really weird like settling into the rhythm of doing things differently and the the new things that i had to do um, but then after doing that, like, it's, I don't know, like looking back now, it's been an interesting time and I've, um, I've read a lot more comics. Yeah. Uh, I have, uh, hustled comics back and forth through this country. Um, so I was thinking back, like this all started when, uh, my shop was closing and this was before the coronavirus happened. Like, luckily my LCS made the decision on his own to close before he probably would have been put out of business by what's going oh, yeah. on now anyways. Yeah, actually, it was a good thing he made the decision when he did, exactly for the reason yeah. you said, because then he would have just been, he wouldn't have been able to have the awesome sales he did and try to recoup some money that he needed. Yeah. So I, I bought a lot of comics from him with the sales that he had towards the end. Um, and part of it was he'd always, like, I always try to make a good relationship with a place like that. You know, it's like Zach was awesome. I like to be kind to the place I go to regularly. You know, it's like the, the pl- a place you go to regularly is like your third place. It's not work. It's not home. It's the place you go that makes you feel happy, that you feel important when you go there in some way, shape, or form. And, um, you know, the comic shop was was that place for me, you know? 
Yeah, you walk in. It was in, in town. You, it was on walk, my way home. You walk in and you feel comfortable. It's kind of like going to Cheers. Exactly. I could go there and like my brain can be crazy to where I don't really feel like interacting yet. And I could go dig through comics and that's fine. I could go in there and I could chat for 20 minutes and that's fine. You know, so it's like it was, uh, you know, Zach was always uh, awesome to interact with and everything. So I would do stuff sometimes like bring him a coffee when I was going in or something like that because I could, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but so with him closing up, part of buying stuff was I wanted to help him out because I knew he wanted to get rid of this stuff. Oh, yeah. Because you get that little kind of pull in yourself like, oh, man, I almost feel like I'm ripping him off because I'm getting so many good deals. But. Like I wouldn't have bought the stuff if it wasn't for the the sales, anyways. I was buying stuff that I sure as heck wouldn't have bought. Um, well, but I, I went in I, there. I, I definitely benefited from it because you found like a holy grail for me. Uh, you, you can go on. I, we'll get into that a little bit later. But it was <laughs> I, like... I actually got that from a different shop. Oh, it was a different place. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, that was a different place. But um, yeah. So I I, I, I went in when he started having his sales because the first sales he had was you could buy a long box full of comics uh, aside from like the wall books for 60 bucks. So oh. I went in and I, I carefully picked out a box of stuff for 60 bucks. I got some stuff for me. I got some stuff I knew that you would like. I got some stuff for uh, Chris Parton, who we're friends with on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Um, that I knew he would like because I knew what he was collecting and I had conversed with him about it. And I actually, that box of stuff, I got probably about a third of it or more ended up being for him. I got Sammy a good chunk of stuff. Um, yeah, it was like, I mean, a ridiculous deal, but he just wanted to get rid of the books. So I was like, okay, bought a long box. And then he was having 75% off a trade, so I got some trades that way. I was trying to be careful to get stuff that I really wanted to read and not just buy stuff to buy it because it was a good deal because I knew that, that could just really stack up on me. Yeah. And ultimately, over time, like, he sold through a lot of the stuff. And by the end, there's nothing I would have bought anyway. So, like... Somebody else bought what I would have bought, so I didn't like feel guilty not buying it. Yeah, but yeah. um, so I, I got that stuff, and then right towards the end, like I kept on watching because I knew he would probably do something else. Um, and I had pretty much already bought what I had intended to, but you know, like I know how it goes. So uh, he at the last minute, the day before he closes, says that he just needs to get rid of everything now, so he's going to sell long boxes for twenty bucks. Wow. And I was like, holy crap. That's, oh, my God. Um, yeah. And uh, so I was actually down in Portland when he said that because my cousin texted me. And so I was having this, like, you know, anxiety of somebody's going to go buy everything. Which, <laughs> honestly, like, I probably a lot of stuff to get bought. So yeah. I messaged him. I'm like, hey, I'm going to come by tomorrow. And he said, make sure you get here early. I yeah. get there and literally, he only had enough comics left for me to fill one long box. Really? So he had he had pretty well liquidated, which was good for him. But it was yeah. all random stuff. But for twenty bucks, is like whatever. I don't care. I brought it home. I got some stuff that I knew other people would like. Um, I I pretty much took everything that he had left at that point because uh, he was so sparse. But then while I'm there waiting to pay, because I grabbed like a couple other things too, he gets a phone call. And I hear him talking on the phone, and basically a guy called and wanted to just drop off a handful of long boxes of comics for nothing. Really? And so he told the guy, just drop them off as early as you can so I could try to actually sell them. Yeah. So he got, I forget the exact number that he got, but he got got quite a few long boxes of, uh, I think it was mostly Marvel comics. And I basically, I got home. And my wife was like, we need to do chores and Sammy needs lunch. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, you let me go do this. Like, let me take care of stuff. You relax, get your own lunch, just chill. So she gets her own lunch. And then I get a message from him saying the the boxes are here. 
So I say, I have to go. Yeah, <laughs> Jump right. in my truck and head back down. And I ended up buying three more long boxes of stuff uh, for 20 bucks a box. And um, That's a lot of comics, I man. Had, it, oh, my goodness. It was a lot of comics. I had intended to work on my X-Men collection up to issue 300. I didn't intend to collect pa- past there. But one of the long boxes was basically just a bunch of X-Men comics. And it went all the way up to issue 544, which is the last issue of the first run of Uncanny X-Men. Oh, yeah. So I got that box of stuff. I was able to send a bunch of that to Chris because uh, X-Men is, has been like his big thing. Mm-hmm. But I... I was torn because I was like, I could either sell these comics to Chris or I could have like the bulk of the collection all the way through 544. It's already here, you know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I I texted uh, our buddy Rob Krieger yep. and asked him what he thought. He's like, you know, I would just say keep it. I was like, yeah, I know. That's why I'm texting you. <laughs> I want to, I want to rub what I'm thinking off of you, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I decided to keep it because I'm like, I'm never going to get that opportunity again. And it's like, you know, so I kept that for myself. Um, I got some other stuff. Some of the stuff I got because I was like, maybe I'll want this, and it's so cheap. Like I got a bunch of Fantastic Four, and I ended up just trading a bunch of that with Chris for some Spider-Man stuff. And I don't know. It was just it was crazy. I got so much freaking stuff that it just was finally to the point where I was like, I'm sick of comic books being yeah. around me i need to get rid of these yeah yeah so I, I i gave them away i think i sent you a message i was like hey you give me money for shipping and i'll send you two boxes full of comics so oh you yeah did that and i just sent you your last box and um i gave some away at work uh i, I was just giving comics away all over the place but so selling some of that stuff which when i sell stuff i always sell it for dirt cheap because i i I never buy something unless it's such a good deal. If I want to just flip it off to somebody that I could sell to them to where it's such a good deal that they don't even have to hesitate, you know? Right. Like yeah. I, I'd, I'd never try to actually get the value out of anything. I just like, I want it to be a fun interaction, you know? Right. So, but I, I flipped a bunch of it and I had, uh, some money and this was right when the, all the Corona stuff started going on. It was right when they canceled, um, Emerald city comic con. So all these creators and stuff started tweeting like, Hey, our, our con got canceled. So I'm opening like a virtual con commission list, you know? Yeah. So I, I was messaging with Rafer Roberts and I had been messaging with him for a little bit already at that time. You can hit him up on Twitter at plastic farm. Uh, and, I had talked to him about a couple different commission ideas. The one that I still eventually want to do is I wanted him to do one of, uh, of like baby Hellboy eating the pancakes. If you've ever read that story, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, little story, but just really, really nice. Um, Hellboy's awesome. Anyways, uh, so I was bouncing around ideas and then I was asking him what blinks he had. He sent me a picture of what he had. I was trying to think of ideas based on the sketch covers he had available. And I said, you know, I just thought, let me go look at what sketch covers I have. So I had a handful of TMNT sketch covers. Uh-huh. Um, and I just grabbed them here and there. Like, I, I'm not the kind of person who really, like, piles up sketch covers. But for some reason, I had them. And I was just like, okay, well, if I'm ever going to get a sketch cover, like, these make sense. So I messaged him. And I was like, hey, how about you do a couple commissions for me? And I, I got one. I said I want an Usagi Yojimbo. And I want him in his samurai armor. And he knew exactly what I meant because I was talking about, oh, like, yeah. the the... Playmates action figure looking Usagi Yojimbo. I was like, I think your style would be awesome with it. So he's like, yes, I know exactly what you mean. I said, the other one, I don't care what you do, just something with the turtles, you know? 
So I sent them to him. Um, and, uh, anybody who's looking for a commission or wants to like find somebody to support Rayford does really good work and he's super cheap. Like his sketch cover commissions are like 50 bucks. It's ridiculous. Like maybe 50 plus shipping or something like that. You could tweet him to find out about it. But, um, yeah, like I, I've gotten these two put me up to three commissions by him. Nice. Uh, he had done one for me a while ago of uh, bebop and rocksteady. That's one of my favorite things. Um, so anyways, uh, that was kind of my first, okay, I, I sold some comics and made some money. I'm going to kind of invest that money back into supporting a creator, you know? <sighs> so, uh, I did that, you know, then things went on. I sell out all these comics. I'm still kind of working these deals. And, um, sometimes I have comics I have no intentions of selling. And then somebody starts talking to me and I end up selling them comics that I didn't mean to sell. Um, so that, that kind of like that kind of is what happened with Spider-Man. I was super psyched to get a bunch of Spider-Man when the shop was closing for a buck an issue. Like when he first started his sales, um, it, the sell that I said was his first sell actually wasn't. That was supposed to be his final sell, but he had a first sell before that where uh-huh. um, every book in the shop that was seven bucks or under was only a dollar. And I knew he had a bunch of Spider-Man, so I went and picked up a whole bunch of Spider-Man for a buck an issue. So. Uh, but then I find other people that, that want them. I'm like, oh, man, I have too many comics. I need to get rid of some. So I started flipping some more stuff. Um, you know, once again, sending stuff to people where I send them, like, way more than I said I was going to and stuff like that. That makes it fun. Um, but so I, I made back, you know, a little bit more money. And I was kind of, like, keeping an eye out for what else I could do. I was starting to, like, miss being able to get comics. And um, let's see. So the first thing that somebody tweeted um, – was Stan Sakai, if you order anything from him, uh, he's signing and retouching, like, everything. Really? Uh, so, that, yeah, so, like, signing and doing, like, a little whatever, you know, little little picture on it or whatever. He's not setting uh, it on remarking, a, I should say. He's, he's not setting it on fire like Matt Kim does, right? <laughs> <laughs> not yet. No. We'll see. Um, so he that, that's what he's doing is uh is that, that sort of thing. Um so I was like, oh, man, I'm I'm never going to see Stan Sakai at a con. I don't get no. to go to cons, and Stan's only going to do the bigger cons, and I'm certainly not going to go to because I don't want to deal with that many people. Um, so I, I look on his website, and uh, I ordered. He had a sketch blank variant that was a $25 variant, and then it was 8 bucks for shipping. So for $33, oh, I'm like, okay, yeah. wh- whatever he does, let's see. You know, like if he signs it inside and that's what he does whatever you know i don't care like i'm supporting him and you know i'll have a signed book by him but like i you could like send a message when you place the order so in the message i was like i'm buying this so you can sign it on the front and i could put up on my wall basically is is what i said because i didn't want him to think like he had to preserve the cover for something else i was doing yeah it's like no i'm spending like i'm just hoping you do something on the cover so i could throw it up on my wall you know um so I, i haven't gotten that yet but i did that I was like, okay, that's exciting for me. It's helping to support a creator that I definitely really like. Uh, and then uh, back to Chris Parton, he tweeted something about Dynamite. The the publishing company had this deal where for ten bucks, including free shipping, yeah, I saw you that. could get twenty random issues. Yeah. So I did that. I was like, okay, for ten bucks, it's not even a risk. It's fifty cents an issue. You know, if I don't like them, who cares? So I did that. I was like, okay, that like I'm assuming they're doing that deal to get people to try things. So then maybe they want to go back and get like trades of stuff that's already out and stuff like that, which I think is a great idea for a publisher to. Oh do. yeah, yeah. And then in the midst of all that, at, at some point a few days ago, Matt Kent had tweeted out that 
while uh, Brian Hurt, who's the artist for Sixth Gun, uh-huh. is self-quarantining, he was doing like little quick sketches in any book that you bought from, like through Matt Kent's website. Oh, wow. Um, they, they worked together on stuff. I believe the, the H E K like that's their, their little, it's, it's Brian hurt, uh, Matt Kent. And I, I'm sorry. I cannot remember the other person. I can't um, either. I know what you're talking. They have a little studio. I'm blank, but yeah. They have a yeah, studio. So they all work they together on yeah. stuff and they, they all do. I, I really regret that. I can't remember her name because like she does great stuff too. Um, I'll have to look that up for next time. But anyway, so, uh, so, and Brian had already signed these. So Matt's doing that. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I, I, I like responded and was like, can I get a link? And I didn't get a link. And then a few days later, Matt responded to it. It was like, Hey, Brian, can you put up a link? And then no response. I'm like, Oh, whatever, you know? And I kind of looked up on my own in the, uh, cause I was thinking of getting a sixth gun hardcover, but they're $60, which is, you know, pretty expensive. Um, I'm sure they're fantastic. But oh yeah. Yeah. For a series that I've only like dipped my toes into, you know, I wasn't really sure if I was ready to spend that much. Yeah. And finally, a few days later, Matt Kent puts the link up and it was like better late than never. So I was like, okay. So I went and looked on the site and like, sure enough, they were 60 bucks a book, which is, you know, I had already looked that up. So I knew, but I, I kept looking and I was kind of looking around. I was like, I don't know. Like I had some money sitting in PayPal. I was like, maybe I will. I get all the way to the bottom and they have the paperback trades of sixth gun, all nine trades for $50. Wow. So I said, sold. Did it done? <laughs> yeah. So I've uh, I've done my little bit of comic spending, and it's pretty much all been from like um, being able to send stuff to other people and just making a few bucks back here and there on stuff I spent before. So it's it's been interesting. Like it's weird looking back and seeing like over time I've like pieced these little things together and actually kind of had um you know I haven't gotten any of these things yet, but I've had a good time with comics in the last couple of weeks, I guess. Sounds like it, man. Yeah. Yeah, I know you've got a, you kind of covered yourself up with a mountain of comics. Uh, going through all of them and sorting them is part of the fun, and then you're trying to figure out what you want to keep, and you, know, <laughs> you, you have a nice network worked up of people already, me included, that you are generous enough to share with, and uh, yeah, that's a... That's kind of sad for the the comic shop over your your buddy's act that he had to close his comic shop, but for you, is like a huge win and a lot of other people because I know I benefited from it because you sent me some. I got that like you said. I sent I got that box today, and <clears throat> I've got a lot of X Men comics now that I've got to actually go through. <laughs> I've got so much, but from you mostly, and some I had already, but i got to go through and like organize them and figure out a line of attack to see what I've got. Because I've got, aside from Valiant, I probably have more X-Men now than anything else. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. And I, one of the things that excited me, though, today when I opened up the boxes, you sent me a nice little package. Uh, oh, there's about five or six, maybe. No, there's more than that closer to 10 occult comics from like the 200s uh, numbers range, which are really nice. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. But you sent me a, and this is going to show my ignorance. I've heard of this. You sent me a bunch of trades, and I don't remember if you even asked me if I wanted these or you just sent them. uh, Now you didn't have a choice. The the (laughs) ex-machina trades, which is that, that's Brian K. Vaughn, right? Yeah, it's Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah. 
I'm unfamiliar with it. I'm familiar with him, but I don't even know what this. There's a. You sent me one, two, three, four. I got seven trades of that to read, and I don't even know yeah, what the series is. I had gotten all those. Yeah, I had. So that's that's one of those series that has always kind of been on my radar. I dipped my toe into a, a little bit. Um, and I, it's kind of like uh, like Why the Last Man, uh, which I believe is also Brian K. Bond. That's a good series. Uh, I read the first around. volume yeah. of that, yeah. Yeah, and that's one where I dip my toes into it, but then like every time I'd be like, oh, man, I should read more. Then I would like look at the trades and be like, well, I don't really want to spend that much on on uh, you know the series because I wasn't I wasn't like uh, I don't know like enthralled in it. You know, it's, it wasn't one of those things I was head over heels for where it's like, oh yeah, I'll drop twenty bucks here and there on a trade or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, but then because of hoopla. They had it all available on there, so I was able to read it for for free through the library, uh, little by little, you know. And so I read all of Why the Last Man. I ended up really, really loving the series. Now it's the kind of thing where there's the chance that maybe someday I'll want to reread it again, and I'll buy like a night the nice hardcovers they put out or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because um, they they keep on image like some of those older image series. They keep on re releasing in like bigger but nicer collections. So it's like you know. Cheap trades to like you know double thick trades to like now they're starting to put out hard covers where it's like each collection keeps on collecting a little bit more. Yeah. Um, Ex Machina, if I remember correctly, is Vertigo. Um, I don't think it was Image. I think it was Vertigo. I might be wrong on that. Here, let me. Look. Um, it's right here in front of me. It's uh, yeah. It's definitely an interesting concept. It says uh, I got all of those for fifty cents each. So oh really? Nice. Yeah, but I was just overloaded and stuff, and even though I wanted to read it, I was like, whatever. Like, I'll find it digitally when I'm ready to read it instead of just holding on to it, you know? Is it Wildstorm? Yeah, Wildstorm. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's kind of dark in here. I couldn't see it good. Yeah, Wildstorm. And Wildstorm is a part of... What is it a part of? There's no marking other than that on the books. Yeah. It's Wildstorm. I'll look it up while we're talking. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to be read those, and I've so got so many comics to read. It's ridiculous. I uh, I haven't even read that. I haven't. I've been yeah, it's reading an imprint of DC. I was right. Wildstorm is, DC- is in an imprint of DC, so it's not Vertigo, but it is an imprint of DC. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. I uh, I haven't been. Re- I've not read a lot of comics lately. I've been reading a lot, but I read. Uh, I finished up Brian Wood's Sword Daughter. It ended on issue nine. It came out. I finished that up and it ended up with had a nice ending to it. Um, I read some more Little Bird. I know you read some of that. That is God. That series is nuts. Yeah, I would actually. I would like to get a hardcover of that. I really love the art in it. It's crazy. Right? It was very interesting. Very distinct um, the art. art. Yeah. It. Um. And while I was reading it, I, I've hardly ever read or seen a whole lot of Mobius. Mm-hmm. Um. But I was like, this. This really makes me think of of Mobius's art. Hope I'm saying that right. Um, and sure enough, like you get to the end of the book, and the artist said that he was hugely inspired by Mobius. Makes so, sense. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else? I, of course, I've kept on with my Conan obsession of reading that. Uh, Jason Aaron finished up his run, and it's now been passed off um, to somebody else on the Conan the Barbarian series, and he did a great job. But the the one new book that I've actually been reading, I've read two issues of Matt Kent. Speaking of him, Bang, which uh, 
right now, I don't know if it's going to always be this way, but issue number one on Comixology is free. And his the, that series is going to be kind of interesting. He kind of took the, uh, I think I've told you, but, you know, I don't know if he's inspired by Jeff Lemire's take on going back and taking over the, the golden age of comics and trying to create his own golden age universe and bring it to the modern day and you know the success he's jet lemire's had with all of those books um and how good they've been he's gone kent went back and he's starting a series that's kind of going back and taking kind of the pulp kind of themed pop culture heroes like james bond is like the first issue and the second issue is uh uh uh, Bruce Willis's character from Die Hard, definitely. Even the, even the character, the <laughs> artwork is it's definitely Bruce Willis. And how they're going to get it around using his persona, I guess there's ways, but it's definitely him. Um, and it's all tying in, and it all ties in to his bigger work, his world of comics that he's written. Because the, the when I first heard of Bang, I was reading, uh, I think I was reading one of the the. Uh, Black Hammer comics and actually got to the end of that and there was a letter to the editor page because it's Dark Horse that puts it out and it had a an interview by somebody PV that was on the staff of Dark Horse interviewing Kent about his upcoming series Bang and going through and talking to him and even that I'm not gonna I don't want to spoil that I, if you can find an issue I, I, I wish I could tell you right now what it was uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and spoil it Basically, the whole setup is, I'm pretty sure Kent just wrote it. Um, he's being interviewed by a character that he's had in almost every book called, I think it's Philip Verve, a science fiction writer. And the whole series is based on how this guy writes books about these characters. And it gets kind of trippy because they, these characters then discover that they've been written about and now they're finding each other and they're trying to save the world against this organization that's uh that's trying to subvert reality or something like that i don't know i'm not even doing justice because i'm i'm on medications right now <laughs> but, but, but it's a really <laughs> excuse me it's a really exciting really exciting two first two issues i'm excited about waiting for the third whenever it does come out and it's the art by it is by wilfredo torres and it's it's just fantastic yeah, I really want to check that out. I uh, I did uh, purchase the first issue for free on Comixology. They have a lot of good stuff on Comixology. Uh, hopefully, you get this bumped out real quick so people can hear this before it goes away. But like, they have uh, the first omnibus of Plague of Frogs, uh, which is BPRD. Oh yeah, uh, which is Hellboy Magnolia verse, like you know, uh, for free. Super good stuff. Like I, I paid money for that stuff. Like. Go get it for free. It's yeah. real good. And as good as Hellboy is, the the BPRD continuing to extend the story is so good. Because you go through, like, Plague of Frogs is when it's just BPRD. And then the end of Plague of Frogs is the same as um, when Hellboy transitions to Hellboy in Hell. Uh, and BPRD transitions to BPRD Hell on Earth. Huh. And Hell on Earth is freaking fantastic. I finally, I, I had, oh, this is a while ago now, but I had purchased all the digital trades of that and read through it all. And, oh, it's just so good. So many good artists working on that, good writers working on it. Um, Josh Dysart wrote some, some of the offshoot stories. So much good stuff there. Um, 
But yeah, there's a lot of free stuff on Comixology right now. And Dark Horse, not only do they have their whole line on sale for 50% off, but kids' books are like 75% off. Really? Because they want they want kids to have access to stuff, which I think is pretty cool. So I went on there and I bought um, essentially eight volumes of Astro Boy for less than $12 after tax. Really? Uh yeah, it's something I've is always kind of been on the outskirts of my radar, and I saw that, and it was cheap enough. And then uh, I had tweeted about it, and um, Joe, uh, who I, I mentioned from the DC Everything Else podcast, uh, I think I might have mentioned this before we started the podcast, but um, so DC Everything Else is our friends Mike Myers and Rob Krieger, and a couple of uh, guys I've been talking to a lot lately, uh, Kirk. Uh, and Joe, uh, and so I, I tweeted and like pretty much everything bounces between, uh, Kirk and Joe, uh, whenever one of them answers, like somebody else talking. So I think Kirk was like, oh yeah, uh, Joe. And so the Joe's like, yes, get it. And so then they told me that they actually, Joe talked about it on the newest, uh, DC everything else. So I listened to that episode. Um, but yeah, anyways, um, I picked it up, and I haven't read any of it yet, of course, but uh, I, I went ahead and just picked up everything. It was so cheap. Uh, so any kid stuff. If you've never checked out Usagi Yojimbo, it's like three bucks an omnibus on there. Yeah. The Usagi Yojimbo Saga collections, they're, they're like omnibuses. It's three trades worth of stuff put together. And that's lots um, of reading there. You hooked so, me on that a long time yeah. ago. I actually have the I actually have them that you, 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 you sold me your copies a long time ago. They're they're it's really worth looking into because that the world that Stan Sakai creates with these <laughs> these uh what do you call it it's not the 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 animals when they're depicted as people um yeah the anthropomorphic animals. anthropomorphic animals it's a it's wonderful and he he knows yeah. he really knows the setting and the world at the time period and so this that yeah. Definitely, especially if they're that good of a deal, they're it's worth it just to check out at least one of the omnibuses. Yeah, it's it's so dirt cheap. When I got them digitally, I think I paid seven bucks a volume for them, and I thought that was great. And I've seen them multiple times where you can get them for like three three fifty a volume, which is just absurd. And Dark Horse doesn't actually publish the new stuff anymore. They they're over on IDW now. That's right. Yeah. Um, and they're also being published in full color now, and they're pu- publishing color classics. Of the original, or not the but the Dark Horse stuff. Oh, I don't, really? I don't know if they got the rights to Fantagraphics or not. Wow, because it started out on Fantagraphics. Yeah, yeah. But uh, there's about seven little trades of that, right? Yeah, seven trades on the Fantagraphics. They did publish like an omnibus of those trades, but um, I coincidentally bought that in like the paperback omnibus right before you could not find it, and I sold it without even trying for like twice as much as I paid for it. Oh, yeah. I bought it all digitally. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just like, I love, I love Usagi. Um, I just started reading the fifth saga volume, which like I said, the, the sagas are like the omnibuses there. Each one is like three trades put together. And, um, uh, if I remember correctly, Brian K. Vaughn, who we were just talking about actually wrote the intro to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was talking about, like, he's never, like, a lot of the people writing the intros have never actually met Stan Sakai, but they've read his work. You know, yeah, so the, yeah. all these different people are doing intros uh, to his to his collections. 
and um i if i'm remembering this correctly i may be mixing stuff up a little bit but he said uh if it was him he said something like um because they're animals it allows you to read it on a more human level huh. because it's removing um the stuff that we as humans get caught up on essentially like race Oh yeah. So it yeah. doesn't matter like, you know, the differences in race and stuff. Like these are animals. So like those <clears throat> those barriers that we have created um are kind of removed from it. And then I I barely like I just barely started reading the first comic of volume 5. Uh and of course this is like samurai stuff. And there's uh a father and a son who are beggar class and the fa- the father only has one leg and uh a samurai is walking by and so that, you know, they beg for some coins and the sun runs up and begs and the samurai is talking to this other guy. He's with not even paying any attention to them. He's talking about this sword that he just bought that he paid. The other guy's like, Oh, you paid too much for that. He's like, no, no, it's, this is uh, worth it. This is a good gift. And he takes out and he's like, I'll prove it to you. And he cuts the sun down dead huh. just to test out his sword. And because they're samurais, they have the right to do this. Wow. And then he just turns back and is like, oh, yeah, see, I told you it was good. And Oof. they walk off, and the, the, the father's there, like, crying over his dead son. Yeah. That's as far as I got. And I was already like, oh, my God, close this book. Not ready for this Not right ready now. for that, no. Yeah, and this is cartoon animals, and uh hits you that heavy. No, there are, I remember reading, I can't remember any specifics, but there, I know there's some of the stories are very emotional, like really, and it, yeah, it's cartoon animals, but it hits you right in the gut, right in the your feelings, man. It's like, oh yeah, that's a bit, that's really too close right there. But that's the beauty of his his, his talent, man. But he does all the art, he does the, he writes the story, and he somehow conveys he goes beyond and some people can't get past the fact that it's animals and that's fine but uh yeah he's 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 able to suck you in man yeah <sighs> but yeah so i <laughs> uh i guess the transition off of that <laughs> um i i stopped i just dipped my toes in that and i got back to the so hoopla i've talked about this before on our podcast yeah, yeah. i believe uh it's a digital service that if you're, uh, it's through your library. So uh-huh. if your library offers it, which I believe you are unfortunate that your library does not. We don't have um, that, but we have something similar to that to where yeah. you can get some I, stuff. I don't know how other stuff works, but just from talking to people, like anybody who uses Hoopla and you're into comics, it's it's a good thing. Yeah. Um. So Hoopla, normally I only get three downloads a month. It's not a ton, but whatever. Like, I get to check out stuff I wouldn't be able to check out otherwise. They have a good selection of stuff on there. They'll get some really new stuff on there sometimes, too. Um. So I had been plugging away at Criminal, uh, issue by issue. Yeah. Uh, the newest run of Criminal uh, that, like, is literally just coming out. So I, I had been reading through that, and I had read a few issues, and this was uh, March. So, like, I got, I downloaded three issues. I was like, okay, that's my downloads for the month. I read them. And we're getting towards the end of the month, and Hoopla will send you emails or whatever and be like, oh, you got downloads left. Huh. So I get an email saying I have downloads left. I'm like, stupid Hoopla. No, I don't. I got my three. And I was like, you know what? I have a funny feeling about this. So I logged into it, mm-hmm. and it said I had 47 downloads left. Whoa. And I went, holy crap. And I started downloading <laughs> and downloading. I was like... I don't. I know I cannot read this much stuff, but I'm gonna no. make use of all these downloads. Give myself like choices, um, and what? So what it was, and uh, I didn't know if this was a hoopla thing, and they just did this across uh-huh. the board or not. But I don't believe it was because uh, 
one of my new friends that I send a bunch of free comics to, uh, Professor Allen on Twitter. Uh, he has his own podcast, Quarter Bin Podcast, Doom Speak, and Comics Reading Journal. So, oh wow, check out Professor Allen. Um, I I tweeted something about that, and he's he, so we started talking about Hoopla a little bit on Twitter. And I said, I got 50 downloads. He's like, holy crap, I only have 10. So 10 is really good. I briefly had 10 through my library, and it was hard to keep up with even 10 downloads a month. Um, but my nor- like normally I just get three a month through the library, but they yeah. up to 50 right now. Dang. So I ended up, I finished up Criminal, and then I read uh, Jeff Lemire's Moon Knight with art primarily by, uh, by Smallwood. Um, that's good that's a good run right there i have have read that and you know as much as i love lemire the writing is not what does it for me on it it's the art the art the art's awesome yeah smallwood's art is fantastic otherwise it's i mean it's an interesting story but it's kind of a a crazy all over the place story i really like my favorite jeff lemire stuff is not when he works on marvel or dc it's his creator own stuff well um so like He's the name that drew me in, but the art is what actually made me read it all. Um, and then I read Fatal, because having just read Criminal... Um, I'm sorry, it wasn't Fatal. I wrote down Fatal, but it was The Fade Out. I read The Fade Out, uh, which is written by Brew Baker and art by Sean Phillips, just like Criminal. And that one, I didn't get drawn in right at first. It took me a few issues of it to get drawn in, but by the end, I was I couldn't put it down. It was <laughs> very good. And awesome. then I downloaded all these things, and one of the things I downloaded was uh, Blade of the Immortal. Yeah. Uh, I had tried Blade of the Immortal once a while ago, uh, and I read a little bit of the first trade and kind of was like, eh, I don't, I'm not really feeling this. You know, I really love Usagi, obviously. We talked about that. I love Lone Wolf and Cub. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I was kind of digging the the samurai stuff. Lone Wolf and Cub was my first, like, real dip into manga. Uh, so Blade of the Immortal is kind of different because the creator is not trying to just be in the same vein as everything else. So it's a little right. bit different. Um and it didn't really catch me the first time around. The second time around, like, I still had to push through a little bit because it's an interesting concept, but it still just wasn't drawing me in. But the further I got into it, the more and more I've been drawn into it. They had six volumes on Hoopla, and I finished those today. And I read, I believe, at least three full volumes just today. Really? Uh, and how, yeah, do, how, do you, how do you, what do you think of it? Because one of the first things, I mean, this is years before I, I mean, I only really started really getting heavy into reading comics in the last, I guess I'd say five to six years. And maybe, maybe it's even farther back than that now. But, uh, even farther back when I was in a big samurai, uh, fix, you know, watching, uh, Seven Samurai and all the, those movies back then. I had actually picked up Lone Wolf and Cub and Blade of the Mortal back then just because I was so fixated with the whole genre. Uh, and, uh, I, I was never able to finish the first volume, but you've been able to get that far in. So talk a little bit more about, uh, yeah, explain a little bit more what, what keep, what, what's driving you to keep going is, with the story. All right, so you've read the first volume of Blade of the Immortal, right? Yeah, so you kind of get the, the basics. I do. I did. Yeah, I read that. One of the things that struck me remembering it is the art. 
I, I absolutely love the art in it. Yeah, the the art's good. Like one of the things that loses me a little bit with um I don't know if it's just like general manga style art. The action sometimes it's kind of hard for me to tell what's going on. Mm-hmm. I feel like you have to get used to it. Um, just like getting used to, I don't know, listening to somebody talk with an accent or, yeah, yeah. um, like different things like that. Like you get used to it and you get to the point where you do understand it quicker, but you have to kind of see how they're using the visuals to tell the story. And then after a while it, it, it makes sense to you quicker in your brain. So you're not having to like go like, Oh, what the heck is going on? Um, as I've read more, like I, I quickly have gotten more and more used to it. So that's one of the things that when I read the first volume or I don't even think I read the whole first volume. I read part of it. Yeah. Um, when I read it a while back, uh, I was definitely intrigued by it, but I wasn't sucked in right off the bat. Reading more after that, it's definitely gotten better and better. And um, in that first volume, and I've read this all very close together, so I may be meshing stuff together some, but uh, we meet Manji, uh-huh. uh, who is the the like central figure of the story and one of the protagonists, but he's kind of the secondary protagonist in it. Really? Um, one of the things I think is interesting about it, and they very clearly the beginning of the collection call this out. So typically when you translate manga, you just literally like flip the images of the page. Uh, so that way Americans can read it from left to right. Like we're used to not from right to left. Yeah. Um, but they couldn't do that with this because Manji's symbol, uh, which the word for it is Manji, is um, it's a symbol that is the inverse of the swastika. And like both of those symbols like predate the bastardization that, you know, the, that the, the Nazi party like put onto the, the swastika. Like they co opted yeah, the symbol, yeah. right? But so with this, uh, they couldn't mirror image the art because uh, the creator did not want that image like mirrored and then to actually be the swastika. Yeah. Um. So they had to rearrange the panels instead, and there are there's a few times where like the the layout might make it a little hard to follow the reading, but it's not really that hard. Like you know, uh. I, I I I definitely got used to it pretty quickly. Um. But I do like that they very specifically like call that out at the beginning of it and make a big deal about that. Yeah. Uh, so that way, one, you know that it's not being taken lightly and, you know, you kind of understand what they're doing and the importance that they're giving to it. But so in the first volume, you meet uh, Rin, who is uh, a young girl whose parents were murdered by this group that is going around murdering all the sword schools. Uh, so they... Like there, there's this kind of like backstory to it, but ultimately the backstory is kind of the the guy leading this other school, the the uh, Ito Ryu school, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, even he's like, yeah, that's, that, that's that's the story, but I mean, really, the reason they're doing it is because they they don't agree that. Um, all these stupid rules should be in place that ultimately like when you're fighting somebody, it shouldn't matter if you're using a Japanese made weapon or a foreign weapon. Uh-huh. Uh, it shouldn't matter if you're using two swords rather than one, like these stupid rules shouldn't make you a bad samurai because all that should matter is winning the fight. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. So they go around and butcher all these other schools, including this girl's parents. Uh-huh. And one of the things when I first read it that kind of put me off, and it's kind of the same in Lone Wolf and Cub, the theme of rape gets used a lot. Yeah. And that's used in this right off the bat. Um, and for as violent as this book could be, like, it's less explicit than Lone Wolf and Cub is. Uh-huh. But still, like, pretty brutally uses rape. It's not, like, graphically depicting it or anything, but, like, it's not and, pulling any and punches to, with it. And to, now that you say that, I think that's the thing that threw me off when I started reading both of those. That the reason I might have, like, oh, okay, I don't know. I think that's probably what threw me off from continuing on because I enjoyed yeah. it, but that that kind of that's a yeah, that's a very uh. So I, I'm assuming that that's a heavy like that's a heavy topic that's very true to what really happened in that period. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. I I wonder why creators that are making stories that take place in that period, like. I mean, granted, I've only read so much, like not yeah. very much at all. Um, yeah. But I mean, so far, like the only manga I've really read is Lone Wolf and Cub and this one that both take place in that period. And it's heavily been involved in different stories like rape and sexual abuse of various kinds. Um, so I, I wonder why that is kept so much in the in the stories or if it just happens to be the couple that i've read i mean i'm sure there's others of course but like i wonder if it is so predominant i wonder if it's because they want to be true to what really happened and not kind of whitewash history or my gut reaction is knowing the a lot about the history of not just not just japanese culture but just our our culture even it was really the, the position of women in the past has been so bad and they were subject to so much uh, violence and things like that, that in fact, our books and stories about like the old West, um, whitewash it to where it's not, you know, necessarily there a lot of times just because it's such a, it's such a, it's such a hard thing to acknowledge. Um, but it, 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 it was there all along. Um, and, and not just Japanese culture, our culture, um, uh, all the time. And, uh, yeah. I think that, I think that's, I think you just hit on it. They're, they're, tr- they're tr- actually trying to be truthful to the way things were. Yeah. And it's so easy to ignore some of the horrors of the past and to excuse current behavior that is more reminiscent than we may want to admit of past behavior that we would look at as abhorrent now, you know? Yes. But yeah. So anyways, that kind of starts off this girl's story. Um, so she wants revenge. Uh, Manji uh, is looking to. So like at the the beginning of the story, like he's immortal because of this crazy stuff, which really plays. I mean, aside from the fact that he's immortal, like his backstory of why he's immortal doesn't very doesn't really play that much into it so far. I'm six volumes in now, of, huh. of like thirty one volumes, um, yeah. but. He is looking to kill, basically kill a thousand bad people to atone for the hundred people he killed when he was the bad person, basically. Right. I remember. Uh, yeah. I, so I then wanna, he can, what, he can die with, yeah. yeah. So th- then he can finally die with um, having atoned for 
you know, the, the pain or, you know, the, the atrocities that he's caused basically. Um, so he gets hooked up with this girl through the, the, um, the nun, I think she is that like gave him the worms that make him immortal. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so he's kind of helping her on, on her revenge, but she, of course, like she was 14 when this happened. She's 16 at this point. Uh-huh. And uh, so you see her development and her fighting with her own, like, is this the right thing to do or not? And the development that they've had in it. And first of all, I thought that the sixth volume was the last one because that was what was available on Hoopla. So I was like, oh, yeah, that must be it. And, you know, foolish me, of course, this is a manga. So I should uh-huh. have known better. <laughs> you know, that would go on for a long, right, long time. Right. Um, and I am kind of happy that there's more of it because... I'm enjoying it now, you know, like getting deeper into it. Um, But one of the things that I realized around like the fifth volume that I really liked about it is they're giving a way for this to change from just being a revenge story Uh to being a lot more being a lot different. Like it doesn't have to just, it's not just the path to the final guy to kill, you know, this isn't kill bill where you get to David Carradine and you know, it's done, you know? Yeah. Um, in the most anticlimactic final fight in a movie ever. Um, yeah. So I, I'm definitely like, I'm enjoying it more the deeper I go because uh, you're seeing the, the, the conflict in everybody's minds between what's right and wrong. And you're seeing them question themselves and not even just Rin, the girl, um, you know, Manji, you're seeing him change and grow. Um, and, all these different people they come across, like some are really bad people. Some are bad people that have these conflicts. Um, one of the volumes, uh, she, she saves a kid from a samurai who once again, like relating to what I talked about in, in Usagi. Um, this kid is basically impudent to a samurai because the samurai blames the kid for breaking his sandal because the samurai kicked the kid's stuff that was on the road that he was trying to like pick up to move and mm. broke his own sandal, but he blames the kid. The kid doesn't mm-hmm. apologize. He mouths off. The samurai is about ready to cut him down and she steps in and saves him and has to like subject herself to the humiliation of fixing his sandal while he's basically abusing her oh, and yeah. saves the kid's life. The kid's mm. dad ends up being uh, not only one of the assassins that killed her parents, but the one who like led the way in raping her mom. Oh wow! And uh, so that like the story goes from there, and, and she ends up going in and meeting this guy because he doesn't know she's coming, but but she knows, and she goes unarmed, and basically decided she doesn't want to kill him because she realizes what that would do to this this his son, this kid, um, and it would just like propagate the problem of of uh, revenge and violence and hatred. Um, so she just goes wanting an apology. Yeah. And of course, like it deteriorates from there and, you know, things go differently, but, um, yeah, to see the conflict between, you know, what's right and wrong and, uh, you know, seeking revenge, but then like having to really confront that question of revenge. And there's a lot, a lot of different aspects of that. So like the story has really grown from being just this like weird kind of supernatural ish sci-fi, not sci-fi, but a supernatural ish kind of samurai, uh, revenge story into something that's definitely got more depth to it. Yeah, that's nice that they're that's a, that's a, that's an artist hand at work then able to do that. That's pretty cool. 
that makes, that makes me want to go dig out my copy, my little trade that I, I picked up a long time ago and try to maybe push through it and see, see about reading I a little bit more. I will say, um, Dark Horse is had, like, they're having a 50% off on everything sell. Uh, so there, it's only 450 a volume digitally right now, too. And you know, Dark Horse always, like, they regularly have 50% off line wide sales. So, yeah. Um, like, that's what I'm going to do. I, I've, I read the first six volumes. I'm not planning on buying more to read right now because I have another 50 hoopla downloads to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I'll start, like, next time they have a sale, I'll probably grab a volume or two and read it and kind of, like, slowly progress through it that way because I would like to continue reading it. It's definitely, you know, grown on me quite a bit. That's awesome, man. Sounds like a, you've been uh, you, you've been burning. That's just a, that's just a percentage of the things you've been burning through for the past couple of months. Because I see you keep posting because uh, you're part doing a, a Twitter post where you're like we're trying to go through like 500 books, right? For the year, yeah. is that correct? And yeah. uh, you have been. I mean, you're going to hit that pretty. I mean, you're going to hit that before the end of the year, easy. It looks like as long as you keep reading at the pace you're going. Yeah, even like so, I'll have a good pace, and then it'll, it'll just fall apart. Um, yeah, and I'll have a, a while where I just don't read anything. But uh, I just hit two hundred and fifty, and we're like I got over two months before the halfway point of the year. So yeah. I, I knew that reading five hundred comics wasn't really going to be a, a Issue. challenge, particularly. No. Yeah, but it's just kind of fun tracking it. And honestly, like this is I've started interacting with different people on Twitter that I interact with a bit more because of this and, you know, other people see it and they like to, if they see something that resonated with them, then you get a conversation going. And, you know, I mean, you know how to talk about people on social media. It's always an ebb and flow. Like you'll talk to somebody a lot, then, you know, people's lives change. You stop talking to them. Um, like, uh, uh, Glenn is somebody like, I started talking to him a lot for a while and Mm -hmm. like stuff's been crazy. I don't see him on there as much. And he's been, really focusing on Star Wars stuff lately, yeah. which, like, I have zero problem with Star Wars, but I'm also not in love with Star Wars, so it's like, I, just, I don't have I don't have anything to say, you know? Um, but I appreciate my interactions with him, so there's always this ebb and flow, so, like, when you find new people to interact with that are out there, like, kind of looking for that positive uh, interaction, um, I, I kind of want to, so I, I mentioned all the comics I got, um, I got overwhelmed by how many comics I had, and finally I was like, I just need to get rid of some of these. So I yeah. had this big-ass stack of Spider-Man comics, and I took a picture and tweeted. I said, I have a big-ass stack of Spider-Man right here. Um, who wants some? And I got a couple responses. I ended up, My cousin said he wanted to read some, so I actually threw a, most of them in a bag and gave them to my cousin to read. Yeah, But I still even had more. Um, plus I had other comics and I was like, I need to get rid of all these extra, extra comics. Cause it's not like they're bad comics. I just like, I have too many to care about these, you know? Um, so I followed that up, uh, because one person responded and was like, Oh, if nobody claims them, let me know. And you know, I'm like, no, like I just need somebody to take them. Like this isn't like be polite and wait around. Like I just need somebody to like jump in and say, yeah. yeah so I yeah. like followed up on that post and said, I have a lot of comics if anybody wants to send me 16 bucks for priority mail shipping, um, I'll send you a box of comics. So I had three people take me up. One I mentioned earlier was uh, was Professor Allen. He got my first box. My cousin Mike had also given me a stack of wrestling DVDs he didn't want anymore. 
And uh, so I kind of everybody that hit me up for a box, I was like, "Do you like wrestling?" And Alan said he didn't, but he knew people who did. So I threw a couple wrestling DVDs in there because um, I like I watched them real quick and then just sent them on. Um, yeah, so like I sent some to him, uh, and then <clears throat> he was one like I enjoyed talking with him some. Uh, you know, we talk about like the circle of life with comics. Like, you know, you read stuff, you share it with somebody, and yeah, like it's really yeah. nice to just have that kind of mentality of like, I'm not trying to like, I spent four dollars on this comic, I want to sell it and get my money back because realistically, yeah. like, you mm-hmm. know, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's way more fun to just say like, hey. I don't want these comics either because I've read them or like in my case, I just, I acquired a ton of comics for cheap or free. Um, a bunch of the comics were ones that my cousin Mike, he read them and said, I don't want these Give them to me, figure out something to do with them, you know? Um, so like I sent a box to Alan, uh, I sent a box to, to Chris, his uh, Twitter handle is at Chris savvy one. So C H R I S A V Y one. Um, mm-hmm. he has, um, he has his own, uh, like YouTube show slash podcast. I don't know. He sent me a yeah. link, and I actually like right before we recorded because I just hadn't had time to yet. But I clicked on the link, and uh, I got to check these guys out some more. Um, he's in Texas, if I remember correctly. So you know, brethren of yours there. Um, mm-hmm. But so like, I click on this Twitter link, and like they got some video production going on. They're not just sitting there recording really? themselves talking about comics. Yeah. Like I only, like it was on mute and I only watched like 30 seconds. Um, but, uh, these guys look interesting. So Chris, uh, if you hear this, I'm going to check you out some, um, be yeah, like both of those guys, Alan and Chris, like they have their own podcasts and stuff. So kind of having that just like positive comic interaction is cool. Like it's cool to build that up with people. And the well, third, yeah. uh, the third person was Tim at Tim Paget three on Twitter, um, uh-huh. and I've seen him. He he must know some other people I'm talking to. Like I always kind of wonder how people end up following me because mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, it used to be from listening to me on a podcast, and now not so much. I don't know how it happens <laughs> anymore. Um, yeah. but anyway, so like I I sent all three of them a box, and then my cousin I gave him all those Spider Man comics, so he's gonna give those back after we read them, and I'm gonna hook another couple people up, but. Um, I just want to shout that out because, you know, it was fun to do that and, you know, support the post office and, um, right. yeah, like there's just, there's a lot of positive and just like looking to, uh, to give people more than they expect, you know? Yeah. Yes. It's good. It's good stuff, man. You've done that with sharing at times. Sharing the, sharing the love, man. If you can, you do it. And if you can't, you, uh, you just get through and until you can again, you know, because that's one of the things, you know, I've shared with people different things and you, I've shared stuff with you and you have more than, you have by far more than repaid anything I've ever done for you, um, brother. So you think, and like, I feel the other way too. I see, you know? Yeah, I see, it's, but that's the beauty of it. It's like, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's no one's trying to get anything out of anybody. We're just all you know the positivity and sharing and being happy and promoting stuff that we love and sharing stuff that we love it's like i've got a i've got a st- some stuff i want to send you i've got some stuff i got need to send to a couple other guys that i've just been i'm really bad about going to the post office you know this paul um, <laughs> i'm Dude, really bad about at getting stuff in can, the mail have you tried just scheduling a pickup like i don't know if you can do that where you live like maybe you're too far out there but uh, i live in rural maine and i can schedule a pickup 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can, I can do that. I'm just really bad at, <laughs> bad about actually mailing things. But, uh, speaking of the thing about sharing, one of the things that's two things that are awesome right now going on. One, if you've got kids, and I know you have a young son at home, uh, I've got my kids at home. Um, the oldest kid, she's just actually ready to graduate and we don't even know if she's going to actually have an actual graduation she can go to. Uh, she doesn't care. Funny thing is, she doesn't. My, the, my, my, my wife is more concerned about the actually not being a graduation than my daughter is. Um, she's just worried about whether she's going to be able to start her first semester of college in the fall. Um, but my youngest kid, if you got young kids, Audible, Audible, and this is something all you have to do, you don't even have to have an account with Audible. You can go to Audible. And they have an Audible Stories for Kids thing where you can stream audiobooks for kids. Tons of books. And I've been doing that for my youngest, my youngest daughter, Delilah, because uh, we've been doing homeschool since she's been home. And, you know, we have story time every day, and sometimes we read to her, and other times we just have her sit and listen to a Winnie the Pooh story or whatever. And that's, a, that's something that's out there right now. And that's a pretty, pretty cool thing. Uh, the other thing that is going on that I messaged you about earlier today that I came across was a Humble Bundle. Um, if you're familiar with Humble Bundle, they they do things where you get great deals. Uh, I first discovered them through Valiant doing Humble Bundles where you could get lots of digital comics for, for just a small donation because they donate things to different charities. Uh, they're having a 2K, uh, which is a, a video game, I guess, developer or producer or whatever, uh, they're having a, a 2K sale where, you know, a dollar will get you a certain number of things up to $20 can get you 13 different games, like a $500 value. And I get nothing out of saying this other than I got really excited because one of the games on there at the lowest level is a game called Sid Meier's Pirates. Yeah, <laughs> which is a it's a game that Sid, Sid Meier, you know, he's the guy that did the Civilization franchise and other things. But, uh, I back in the early 2000s, I was just nothing but uh, every time there was a Civilization game release, I would be playing that. And then he did this Pirates game, and then you know back then it was just because I actually had to buy the actual uh, game disc and to load onto my because I do PC games, and uh, I enjoyed that game so much. One of the free games or games you get by donating is this Sid Meier's Pirates, which is a really fun game. And I'm actually downloading it as we speak because I have a really lousy internet and it's taking <laughs> all day to download this one game. I'm excited about playing because it's really fun. There is, and I don't know any of these games hardly on it. Uh, there, I'll, I'll say the game. You have seven days pretty much from the time this is released. Let's say, because really it's nine days, but let's say I give me a day or two to get this out. Um, seven days from the time you hear this, if it's on... Uh, the 20th of this month, uh, The Darkness 2, Sid Meier's Pirates, Carnival Games VR. I don't know what that is. Uh, Spec Off the Line, The Golf Club 2019, Bioshock, which I've heard of. It's a collection. Oh, yeah. That's the Bioshock. Oh, that's good. You get three games yeah, in the there. Yeah, the Bioshock, the collection. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited about that. Civilization 3, which I already have, but hey. I've made a donation. I get all these. Uh, there's NBA Playgrounds 2, which I'm not familiar with. I'm really excited about NBA 2K20. You might you might even like Playgrounds more. I think Playgrounds is uh, more of just like an arcade-style basketball game. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Because I remember back in the uh, – God, 
in the nineties, there was a playground style, uh, video game where it was just like, it's ridiculous what you could do playing basketball, uh, flaming hoops and stuff like Are that. Are you talking about NBA jam? Yes. Oh yeah. Everybody knows NBA yes. jam. NBA Ooh, Jam was amazing. Oh, love that game, man. Yeah, if you play as the Lakers, you had to play as like Nick Van Exel and Vladdy Divac. Yes. It was horrible. <laughs> oh, he really was. Oh, God, you're going to give me a coughing bit. He really was terrible. Oh, my God. It was the oh, worst there's... time to be a Lakers fan in the basketball game, man. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Uh, there's WWE 2K20, which is cool. And then there's other games I don't know. Uh, XCOM Enemy Unknown Complete Edition. Not familiar with what that is. And then my cousin Dave told me there are two other games. XCOM is fun. I played it a little bit, but I think you would... Uh, XCOM is like a, a strategy game, like turn-based strategy. Oh, okay. I might like that then. Yeah. And then there's Borderlands Game of the Year Enhanced Edition and then Borderlands The Handsome Collection. And my cousin Dave yeah. says that's a good game. To just, I've only just I dabbled in that a little it. bit, but it's definitely pretty fun. Um... Oh gosh, well I'm gonna blank. Uh, one of the oh the Bioshock. That's right. Um, the Bioshock games uh, are probably my favorite games in the last couple of video game system generations. Um, when when I still lived in California, uh, I played Bioshock One and Bioshock Two, and mm-hmm. absolutely loved them. Um, but what I, the heck I, is I wanted, it? Because I have no idea what it is I've bought. <laughs> it is like kind of like I don't know, like sci-fi uh, sort of. Um, it's uh, feels very. It's like very Ayn <coughs> Randian. It is. Uh, oh my god, you will love the 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 story and the feel of it. Um, oh really? It is. It is so good. On a lot of levels, it's a fun game to play. It's kind of like horror action, sorta. Um, even though, like, yeah, it's it's fairly violent. It's not like uh, Resident Evil gore violent. Yeah. Um So, like for me, it was uh, it would push the boundaries a little bit, but it was never like something that had parts that like turned me off. You know. Um, but it just like those two games, I loved them. And then Bioshock Infinite was the third game in the series, and I was dying for it to come out. And I had I was like I think PS3, and um, my my PS3 died before it came out. And I was like, you know what? It was like we right after we had Sammy, I was like, I don't have time to deal with this. I don't want to spend the money on it. I'm just done with video games for a while. So I never played Infinite, and I always wanted to. And then. They released the collection, uh, which was like remastered for PS4, and I bought it full price. I almost never buy a game full price, but I bought that oh, yeah. full price. And even though I played them before I played Bioshock 1 and Bioshock 2 before I played Infinite, definitely do it that way too, because Bioshock 2 improves on the gameplay mechanics of Bioshock 1, and I would worry that you would not enjoy 1 as much if you played 2 first. But one is fantastic, so you shouldn't do that to yourself. Yeah, um, yeah. But Infinite, you will crap your pants about the soundtrack for that game. It Really? I That game was worth it for the soundtrack alone. Oh, my Dang. goodness. Like, I know you, you will love it. Love it. That's I actually exciting. told you about that when I played it a while back, too. I, I told you, like, go find it. No, I do remember now, now that yeah. you bring it up. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Yeah, man. you will you will love the way they use music in the game. Um, but I I absolutely love those games. Um, I owned the the like a hard copy of the game. I played it all through. I traded it in, and right now it's on sale on the PlayStation Network for like twelve bucks. And I'm considering buying it again just to have it available. Well, we're recording this on April eighteenth, twenty twenty. There's nine days. Um, if you're listening within the nine days of this being released or the of a recording, that's an option because you got me really excited, man. I just need, <laughs> I'm, uh, uh, I'm just more time to play games. <laughs> yeah. That's I've been working fun, through, so I, I've been, one of the things I've been doing, so like, uh, I've been reading more comics during this time. I intended to read more books. I had been reading, um, Willa Cather's, um, Death Comes, Death Comes for, for the Archbishop. Yeah. Um, I had been reading that, and then with the libraries closing, they hadn't officially said that they weren't like that there were going to be no late fees. And my book was like a day from due, so I finally was like, you know what, I'm just going to return it. And yeah. I, ended up, I, I went ahead and bought it on Amazon so I could start reading it again. I just haven't yet, so like, okay, in the midst of that, we're gonna wait because I will, one of the questions I had for you. And we will record much sooner than two months. I promise you. It's, I've just had a really bad uh, last a weird thirty of days. Um, I wanted because two things that you've read or start. You've read one book and started another one. I actually did read one, and you told me yours because you had asked me what to read. I said one of the things that one of the for in some reason we'll save this conversation. Maybe one of the weird reasons is this book popped in my head that I. I, I just recommend that book, Arch, Death Comes with the Archbishop by Willa Cather. It's the only book I've ever read by her. I've never read any of the other books. She's famous for writing a lot of classic books um, um, in the early 20th century, uh, especially about pioneer life and things like that. But that book especially just struck with me for certain reasons. And then you also read Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy which is something we've been talking about for since I've met you, I think. I've been like, oh, Blood Meridian, Cormac McCarthy, Blood Meridian, Cormac McCarthy. And you have another friend that's also spoken highly of that book, and you read that. Um, I want to have a conversation with you in the near future comparing the two once you finish that because they're in the <laughs> same, exact same time period. And upon reading that book, it's like the second time I've read it, and – it struck me just as strong. It actually made me tear up a little bit in a couple of spots. Um, some of the things in it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's something maybe we can talk about in the f- near future when you get done with that book. Because I actually want to talk to you about that. Yeah. I will say with as much as I've read, because I'm a decent chunk into it. Um, the difference between the two books is one book is very much about the lack of human compassion and one book is very much about the um, nothing, the capacity for human compassion. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. definitely like a, a very stark difference right there. But the beauty of it is you almost, <laughs> upon reading, and I warned you, you know, I've jokingly warned you, I don't know if I should recommend this book to you, Blood Meridian. And the very thing, the you know best what's so book funny? I can, yeah. So, so you, my friend Alan, who's the, the friend uh-huh. that you, you referenced, and then yes. also our friend Jay have yes. all strongly recommended the book and also strongly, um, I guess, recommended not reading the book as well. Like Jay, when I said I was going to read it, he sent me a private message and said, if you're feeling down for any reason, don't read this book. Yes. And I asked him why he kind of went into it a little bit. 
but I read uh, I read it and like I've I've been very clear talking about the, the kind of things that I don't appreciate exposing myself to that make me just yes. feel bad about whatever life exactly this yes. book didn't bother me a bit even though this book was just laced with atrocities yeah yeah because it's the way yeah. they're presented is different and there's no glorification of what's going on and exactly yeah you hit you know, on it right there yeah like um, some people some people like game of thrones will do it gratuitously and try to make it yeah something else He's just telling the story, and this is actually how thing is historically based. Based that's the that's the see that's the thing that hurts. Like my wife, I'm a, I was a history major, and anytime I talk about history and about reality, about how hard things were, especially like this kind of story, she's like, "I'm so glad I never studied history because I don't want to know this stuff." <laughs> to me, I believe people need to know this is what humanity is. Yeah, this is what we're capable of, and then it's just I'm like, like we were talking about with uh, with with rape in Japanese culture. Yes, I mean, yes, like you said, rape was was prominent in in society in the United States before it was the United States, like you know, in in America. Um, but like people don't well, want to have to like confront it and realize all, what they're actually all of human being. history. It has been is a sad yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, but death comes to the archbishop while a completely differently written story, and I'm not going to spoil anything, it's like the perfect like balance to that book because, yeah. as you already said, it's like there is a capacity, there is a human capacity for evil. And on the other hand, there's a human capacity for decency and good for no other reason than this to be good, which gives me hope. <laughs> because we need it a lot, especially in these these times that we're living in yeah. right now. One of the things yeah. I've always said I feel really strongly about is that people should read a lot of literature because it helps you develop your empathy and like you have yes. to try to see things from other people's point of views. And with you know what we see going on nowadays, um, like a lot of the problem I see is that people they may be like factually correct about certain things, but the lack of empathy. Um, does not serve the greater good. Yeah, and then yeah, they're callous about things. You know, they. I you know, I think this person's good for that reason or whatever politically, but then they don't see how when you look at it with a lack of empathy and you say like these things are positives and I could ignore the negatives because these positives outweigh them. When stuff goes to an extreme, it could end up affecting your life in a very strong way. Um, and that's you know, yeah, I. Yeah, I don't want to get into political talk, but yeah. <laughs> so let me pull you back to the here and now for something positive. Let's yank us yeah. right out of that. Um, I, I've talked to you before about Spose, right? Say again? Spose. He's yes. a rapper oh, yeah. from Maine, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've so, listened to uh, him, man. So he did uh, a Facebook concert on, I believe it was Thursday night. And uh, I randomly came across the fact that he was going to do it like that day. And then I made a point when he did it, like I threw it, you know, I plugged my headphones into my phone and, uh, you know, it's like it was uh, interesting because he's performing to nobody. You know, he's performing online to people, but there's nobody to react to like he's used to. But he he put on a really good show. And if you go uh, to his Facebook page, you can rewatch it. But you know what? Like I put that on, and 
So suppose this is interesting. Like back when I was still in California, he had a song called I'm Awesome that is a fun song. Um but it's uh it like that song and one other song were released by a label and then they like shelved him and like he's been independent since then, basically. Um I didn't listen to him for a long time. Uh we moved to Maine after that and I I like I picked up one album, kinda tried it, didn't really get into it. And then a while later, um this was after like, you know, stuff like Spotify became more prevalent. Um I started checking out his albums again and I listened to him quite a bit and uh there was a time in my life that was pretty tough that uh his positivity like helped me through it you know yeah and we we all have that i think where we have certain music when we're going through a tough spot helps us out um so watching him perform live uh like first of all just like his ability to like have that energy just for a camera and reading text of people's responses and that's it was pretty darn good um but seeing seeing the comments that people were making like a lot of people were saying stuff like you know oh this song helped me through a really tough time this song kept me from blowing my brains out, like stuff like that, like all throughout it. So I was sitting here thinking like, okay, th- your music helped me through a tough time. But like, I see a lot of people saying that it just blew me away. And uh, I made that comment because he did sort of like a Q and a at the end. So I made that comment, like when he stopped performing and I made that comment, he, he actually like fed off of that and like responded to me and said something about it and like how much it means to him to to make music and be able to like have an impact on people i thought that was really cool um but he's gonna have another live concert on twitch on tuesday his uh his twitch handle or whatever is at the real spose i haven't used twitch a whole lot uh so this will be like the first time i'm trying to actually watch like a live stream on twitch um but you know like I started watching that on Thursday and like I've listened to the songs and like I've been to concerts before and it's not like it was seeing somebody that uh, like, you know, how you have those like celebrities, whether they be like actors, musicians, whatever. But like, you know, you can see like a million people and be like, ah, whatever they're, you know, but you see that right person. You just like get like jelly in your knees, you know, you can't help it. Yes. Like. That ain't supposed for me, you know. I mean, like, I, I, I like him and I appreciate him. I got, you know, I listen to his music quite a bit, but like, he's not one of those, like, oh my gosh, suppose, you know, or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I put on this show, and I like, I just could not get the smile off my face for a while. Just like seeing somebody doing this, and like, yeah, he's doing it because like this is how he makes his living, and he's trying to scratch up some money to make a living on right now you know right right but to like to inject this kind of you know this positivity and give people this thing to do and this thing to latch on to at a time like this just like man i just had a shit-eating grin on my face through most of it oh yeah just yeah it was just, it was just so nice to see you know and uh yeah so um you'll probably get this out before tuesday but check out tuesday uh the 21st on twitch at yes, 8 I'll definitely have it out. Eastern time. Uh the real spose. It's just fun. Yeah. Like he has some good songs and um like he even commented afterwards that he realized that all of his songs with profanity in the chorus are the songs that people love the most, and he just kinda learned that uh-huh. <laughs> people like profanity. <laughs> That's um, funny. Yeah, like, the last song he did was uh Knocking on Wood. Uh which that was the song that when I was going through the specific tough time that stood out in my mind, like I needed kind of yeah. that reminder that like even though st- that, like i'm dealing with tough stuff like 
I've got a good life. And like that song, he does a lot of calling out yeah. the difference between like, uh, you know, here, like we can get a prescription for medication that we need in some places. Like that's not even like that you can't even get mm-hmm. medicine, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. You turned me on to him a while back and, uh, yeah, you're definitely the, 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 the positivity, is infectious when listening to him. Um, you know, and I guess a lot of art, and that's one of the people, some of the people I feel the worst for in this time are the artists that not the big artists that have the big bank account that they can just go home and they can self isolate socially distance themselves and just stay at home. It's the guys that actually just like go out on the road all the time and that's how they make their living, you know? And, uh, a while back, back in February, I went to a concert for one of these smaller artists, um, my wife and I, and it was like supposed to be a special occasion because it was Valentine's Day, and we drove an hour to go to this little tiny club, and it was like one of the worst experiences of my life going to a concert <laughs> because everybody there was so disrespectful to this guy. I mean, you, you've been listening to Bonnie, you listened to some Towns Van Zandt, you listened to Bonnie Prince Billy. Imagine Bonnie Prince Billy or Towns Van Zandt standing on stage and everybody in the first five rows just talking and laughing and disregarding and actually overwhelming the sound of the music. It was, <laughs> it was so frustrating that actually uh. he, the funny story is I went up to the guy after the concert, he was, I watched it happen. He jumped off the stage and was put his coat on and was leaving. And sadly, I cornered him and apologized. I said, somebody else had stopped him to talk to him. And I was like, dude, I just want to apologize for everybody because I don't see how you put up with that. I don't see how you could put up with that. And he's like, I don't either. That's why I'm leaving. And I'm like, well, God bless you, man. I, I, I just want you to know I appreciated everything you did tonight because you're, you're an artist and you deserve more than that. And anyhow, somebody else grabbed him. He ended up having to go sign a bunch of stuff. So he ended up getting some praise and people actually showing appreciation. But so my wife, and this is a long story just to get one thing to tie into what you're talking about, how Spose is going to be doing the, the live thing. Turns out this guy's actually a big songwriter for like, he's been covered by, his name's Chris Knight. He's been covered by like big country artists and stuff like that. Um, so that's kind of how he makes his money is songwriting. And he, then he tours and does stuff. Um, turns out he's actually going to, he's supposed to be in the town near where near I live, near where I live, this little tiny podunk town. He's actually going to show up in and perform. So my wife and I actually went through and bought, uh, some seats and it's through an app called bands in town, bands in And normally when I download an app, I turn off notifications but one of the cool things that's happening now is a lot of these artists are doing the exact same thing. They're going, they're just streaming live shows just because they're home alone and they still want to share their music. And like every once in a while, every day I get a, oh, so-and-so is going to be doing a live stream of music. Just go here and listen click on it. it that's, that's an amazing thing that's going on because, well, I mean, there's nothing else they can do, you know, yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah, so, sorry. Is a is a weird. That's a whole long story. I could even actually actually uh, I actually the last time I talked to Dave was back in February, 
that's how long it's been since I actually sat down and recorded with him. And I actually spent probably like 30 minutes just detailing how <laughs> horrible that experience was and how happy I am about – I don't know if I'm going to actually go to the show because we don't know if he's going to happen now because of the way things are. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that I could actually go off. Um, you, have you ever been to a show that got ruined by other people? So, <laughs> so – uh, separate answer to that question, but before that answer, um, I saw Sage Francis at Rock the Bells when I lived in California. Uh, the headliner was Wu Tang Clan, and yeah. uh, Sage Francis was not well received by the crowd. That's what I was Ooh. thinking of when you're talking about this. And it was a different thing. It wasn't like a just an apathetic group that didn't care. Maybe maybe that was what it was, but it was a lot of people, and Sage started like feeding off their hate and like started throwing broccoli into the crowd and oh, wow. um, some ridiculous stuff. Um, so that kind of made me think of that a little bit. Um, as far as your question about like the crowd ruining it, I did have an experience like that one time, and it was actually the ironically the people that were ruining it were my friends. It was an artist that we all really liked. But my friends were supposed to to actually be one of the openers for the show, and they got bumped off the the card, and uh-huh. um, they were just like whiny bitches the whole time. They ruined the whole oh. show because all they were doing was complaining because they didn't get to perform. So that was kind of a different thing. But anyways, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. To to Sage Francis, um, that just made me think of. Uh, so he once again is one of those artists that. He makes his living off of touring and off of, you know, making money off of his music. And uh, he, uh, you can find him on Twitter at Sage Francis, pretty easy. Um, but he uh, he's doing some stuff to try to make ends meet. And one of the things he's doing is he has uh, one of his songs that was released to vinyl only. that You can listen to it on SoundCloud. But uh, if you make any kind of uh, uh, PayPal support, towards him um he'll send you an mp3 of the song also so i haven't even heard the song yet but that's one thing i'm going to do is you know i mean it may not be much like i'm I'm not you know sitting on money or anything but uh, no i'm going to send him a few bucks just because like he's he's meant a lot to me through my whole life and his music is awesome and um yeah it's like it's a weird time where like some of us are having trouble supporting ourselves um, but those of us who like are in a good position, if we can kind of help support other people either around us or even the people that like, absolutely, create, yeah. like a lot of people that create the music that we love or the comics that we love or the many other things that we love, like they're, they make ends meet like by continually being able to sell stuff and what's going on right now is tough on them. comic shops, you know? Um, comic shops and con conventions that they're not going to be able to go to and promote their yeah. stuff and sell, sell stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so I've been thinking about that. Even with wrestling, uh, there was uh, I had bought tickets to a wrestling show. Limitless Wrestling is a uh, um, a promoter in Maine that does really good shows, and I had gone to a show in I want to say March. So yeah, like along the thought of uh, you know supporting different uh, creators or comic shops or stuff like that. Like one of the things I've also thought of is is wrestling. So uh-huh. In, uh-huh. in March, I had gone to a Limitless Wrestling show. They're a promoter in Maine. They do a really good show. And I had been to one of their shows a while back. Um, I don't know how much you know about wrestling. Um, the one I went to a while back, uh, Cody Rhodes was a WWE performer, and he left the company. Um, I believe it was one of those kind of a mutual agreement type of deals. 
Um, you know, yeah. He wanted to be able to move on because they weren't really growing him there. And uh, so he headlined this Limitless show. And this show, um, my cousin, of course, is the one who's big into wrestling. So he's the one who like knew the details and everything. But I believe we got like uh, VIP tickets for $30 or something ridiculous oh, wow. like yeah. that. Yeah. Which meant that we got a front row ticket. And that we also got to get like one thing signed by Cody Rhodes or something like that, either a signature or a picture, something like that. So I actually, I gave my free autograph to my cousin because he had a couple of cards he wanted to get signed. I was like, that's fine. Take, take mine. I don't need an autograph. You know, like I'm just excited to kind of go do this and be there. And, um, Cody Rhodes, we, like we met him cause we got to go in a little bit earlier than the whole crowd, you know, nicest mm-hmm. freaking guy too. Like he's super, right. super nice and friendly. Um, is a great show. Uh, quite a few of the guys that were on that show that were just indie wrestlers at the time have like gone on to WWE or TNA yeah, or different yeah. things like that. Um, and some of those matches, like I still haven't forgotten them. And I, I definitely mm-hmm. can't say that about every, uh, WWE show that I've been to. So in March, I went to another show. Uh, I was on a, a short vacation and Mike said, Hey, there's this show. So I said, yeah, I can go because um, it's always kind of hard to go to shows with just like my family dynamic if I'm working because it's hard if I work all day and then go. And it's hard if I'm if I go and then I'm not off the next day, you know, so like if. Yeah. yeah. But in this case, I was off both days, so it wasn't it wasn't that big of a deal, you know, and uh, yeah. this show is a ton of fun and uh, I enjoyed it a lot. And so uh, one of the people that was performing there was Chris Statlander. Uh, she's a female okay. wrestler who just signed with AEW. Uh, but with AEW, I guess the way they're working it, I mean, at least with her deal, I'm assuming it's probably with some some of uh, a lot of their talent, is they can still do indie shows. So she oh, okay. she signed with them rather than WWE because she could still do the indie shows. And uh, so she was at this show. She had a great match. And then at the end of her match... She asked the promoter for the opportunity to challenge their champion for the title at the next show the mo- a month later. So obviously, you know, like obviously right. they already had that match set up. So I, yeah. I told Mike, I was like, "Yeah, I want to do this." I checked with my wife and made sure it was okay. I bought the ticket right away, and um, that was supposed to have been about a month ago. Of course, that show got canceled. Like that was where. Even about a week before, they were still going to put it on because they get, that was when uh, they were doing the thing where they kept on like limiting the number of people that could be together. Right. Um, and it was like Every, right at the everything cusp. was uncertain. Yeah. Yeah, and it, finally, like they cut it down to like no more than ten people, so they they canceled yeah. the show. Um, the follow up show was actually supposed to be today, um, because they they give everybody the option either to get a refund or to get a ticket to the next show and like probably most people did like i just said hey i'm here to support you guys just give me the next ticket you know so obviously like the show they had planned for today didn't happen so it'll be sometime in the future um Uh but like one of the things that they've been doing uh is they have started doing wrestling matches that you can um i I think it's like indiewrestling.com is a you could like pay for a subscription and you get like access to like a lot of indie wrestling stuff. Um, so they've been doing matches that they like show on Facebook and then you can get them there or something like that. Like, but this so they've been doing stuff, but then like all these wrestlers, like they go from being able to get bookings to like 
they don't have work, you know? So it's kind of a time you yeah. don't like you don't you don't think of things like that, but being able to support your favorite wrestler is a really big deal right now. WWE just cut a ton of guys because they can't afford yeah. everything, you know? Even those guys, yeah. like what's the first thing they do when they're cut? They're going and putting t shirts on pro dot com. You know, trying yeah. to trying to make some money to make ends meet. So yeah, it's a tough time for a lot of people, but like anybody, if you're in a, a spot where you can throw some money to directly support somebody that you love and you got the money for it and it's not going to hurt you. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like so, it's more important so, to do that than to buy crap on Amazon, you know, support what you love, man. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, there's, uh, I'm, I'm sure all kinds of different from everything from wrestlers to musical artists to comic book artists. Um, they're all doing everything they can to just, you know, survive this. So if you if you can support what you love, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent behind that. Yeah, it's a uh, it's weird right now though. Um, the one story, Michael, your cousin Mike, uh, uh, who I, I I love listening to him talk. He has a he has a podcast where he talks about. Uh, he's still doing the wrestling podcast, right? Yeah, I don't know how often he does it. Like he he has the wrestling podcast. I know he's still regularly doing. Uh, what did you watch this week the, with uh, with yeah, our the, buddy John? John, um, yeah, he's still doing that. I know he has his wrestling blog. I'm not sure how much he does the wrestling podcast. Uh, I should check in with him about that. Um, I interacted with him. I interacted with him a long time ago, where we first met through the Slack when we had a Slack channel where some people were just like fans of Valiant and got together and just talking and where I got in touch with you and started talking with you and became friends with you. Uh, I had a long conversation one night with him about wrestling and my wrestling experience goes way back to the seventies when I was a little tiny kid staying up. I think we've talked about this about watching the Von Erics down here in the sportatorium yeah. <laughs> uh, when it was just South. It is this crazy different time but way before Vince McMahon, the McMahon Empire, WWF and WWE became a thing. Um, we had a nice interaction there. Um, <laughs> uh, it's it's just and I when I I've been to two wrestling matches. One was when I was a kid. There was a there was a wrestling match put on in my 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 school gym when I was a kid. I was probably junior high, and then I went. In the 90s, the WWE put on a thing down in Dallas. My cousin was a huge fan of the WWE. This is during the Stone Cold Steve Austin era and all that stuff. So, was, And he lived with me at the time. So like, we watched it all the time because he was a huge fan, which made me a fan because I I, mean, we, I lived with him. And, you know, you share things that you love. Yeah. And uh, so, so I supported that, and we went to a show there. Uh, yeah. But, uh, so, so, and I, so much to the point that actually when Mick Foley put out his autobiography, I read that and learning about the hardships of wrestling, I can't imagine what people are going through on all the different levels from the WWE down are going through. So yeah. pretty much everybody right now is fighting just to get by, I'm sure. Uh, unless they've got a job where they can actually like some, a lot of people I know they're fine. Um, but there are certain people that just like everything just got cut. They got cut off at the knees. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
a podcast you might like if you want to just dabble in some wrestling talk is uh, the Arn Show. It's Arn Anderson, and he's doing it with uh, with uh, Conrad, who he's done a show that got really popular with Bruce Pritchard. He's done one with uh, Ric Flair. He's done one with uh, Eric Bischoff. Um, I think wow. some other ones too, but that one I really like it because Arn Anderson is very much like blue collar, no nonsense, like working type guy. Um, yeah, and I mean that's really who who he is and how he is. That one's been uh fun to listen to. Um, yeah, you know it's uh, you know, <laughs> like you said, you can talk to Mike and like the stuff you were talking about that was very specific to your region at a certain time when stuff was yeah, very regional. Yeah. And Mike knows all about it. Um, mm-hmm. so we uh, his blog, yeah, his blog that he puts out, he he's got he's he should put a book out about the history of wrestling because he he's he knows it all we um the the weekend before wrestlemania i was really stressed out with everything that was going on and i was just off on when wrestlemania was supposed to be because we already talked and said okay wrestlemania is gonna be super weird but we'll just like you know like either like skype or talk on the phone or whatever and we'll kind of watch it together you know distantly and so i was i was texting with him because i thought it was that day and I was texting with him like, okay, it's on at this time. And then finally he's like, you know, it's next weekend, right? I was like, oh man, I didn't know that. Like, I, I seriously, like, I don't know why, like I realized date wise that I was wrong, but I had myself convinced yeah. it was right now. And as like, I, I texted him, I said, like, I, I am legitimately sad about this. Like I was looking forward to this as one of those things that was kind of propping me up, you know? And uh, so he says, like, hey, why don't we just talk on the phone and we'll watch some matches together? So he starts walking us through uh, these matches. And, you know, he knows everything, of course. So, like, we walked through this different stuff, but we were watching, like, um, probably the one that stood out the most to me. Um, like, he, he walked us through some stuff. And then I, I kept, like, the one thing I could recommend, because he asked me what I wanted to see, was I wanted to watch Steamboat and Savage from WrestleMania um, 3. Yeah, WrestleMania 3. So we watched that one. And he said after that, like, he said, hey, let's watch this other one. So we watched Rick Steamboat defeat Ric Flair for the NWA championship in 1989. And that match got oh, yeah. me on the track of watching a series of matches between those guys. And th- so we did that, and that was awesome. We ended up watching wrestling for, like, three hours, uh, you know, with, wow. like, periodic interruptions of me having to go, like, help my family with this or that. You know, kind of like what happens yeah. in our podcast. Um, right, but it was, it was like, it was really the relief I needed being able to just like enjoy something and just chat with somebody, you know? And, uh, then the next weekend we did, we watched WrestleMania together and yeah, it was fun in a different way. You know, um, we didn't know what we were going to see. So it was new stuff, but, and there was another night where he said like, Hey, uh, you know, his wife had already gone to base says you want to watch some wrestling. So we did the same thing and I, you know, called him up. And uh, he would tell me what mat, like where to find the match we were gonna watch. And there was one that mm-hmm. we watched that was pretty awesome. That um, with the different shows they do, um, one of them NXT UK is just on the WWE network. Like NXT is now on USA, but NXT UK is uh-huh. just on the the WWE network. And yeah, um, they rather than trying to have matches this week, like they had different superstars talk about either like a highly influential match or like a a standout of their own career so they had four matches on the show and the first one was uh from 1982 it was uh at madison's wow. Gardens, 
and it was the Dynamite Kid against Tiger Mask. <laughs> so British wrestler versus a Japanese wrestler. And, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness, that was a hell of a match. And so I watched that with Mike that day. Uh, and this was before they had it on NXT UK. Like, he, he had stumbled across. I think they probably put it up available on the network because they were going to use it for NXT UK. So uh, so we watched it. And then last night, I think it was, I put on NXT UK. So I watched it again. I ended up watching it twice. It was just, it was such a good match. Um. Yeah, it's, it's so cool to be able to dig into the stuff that is uh, like outside of the realm of what you've ever been familiar with, and then you uh-huh. have somebody like Mike who just like you know his knowledge with it is just so far beyond. Like he's the epitome of passion for anything. You know, not yeah, many people yeah. exhibit that passion for anything, and uh, he just knows the ins and outs of everything. Yeah. Yeah, when he, you can you can feel the love that he has and passion for it when he talks about it, and that's that's a beautiful thing. Um, I got two quick movie recommendations that I've watched. Uh, I watched the Bloodshot movie. Um, I didn't see it in theaters, of course. I think I watched like I about half it. an hour of that so far. <laughs> oh, okay, so you have access to watching it. It's it's a it's a you know I was surprised as good as it was. I enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, uh, from what I understand is the that part as a franchise is probably over because some things are being done as like as far as rights to things, and I don't even know. I'm, I'm not an expert enough to know. But the movie that I strongly recommend watching is 1917, oh, yeah. which is a movie that came out about World War One, uh, an impossible mission, and it's just like... It actually surprised the heck out of me, and if you just sit and you watch and how carefully that show that movie's made, have you watched it? I have not watched it, but uh, my cousin Mike recommended it to me. Also, if you if you get a chance to watch it, pay attention to how wonderfully, just in the skill of make making it, it all it's pretty much it's it's almost impossible to see. A, a movie that seems seamlessly shot. Now there are obviously parts where they definitely did have cuts and stuff, and I, you know they did. But watching it, I've watched it twice. It, it's a it's a really good movie. It's a it's an uplifting. It's an it's a stressful movie, but but the 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 the, the talent that they put into making it and showing the horror of something that was a hundred years ago. 101 years ago or something. Yeah. 101 years ago now, uh, or so, uh, the way it was in world war one, really good movie. I think it's Sam Mendez that made it something like that. But yeah, I recommend those two things. Nice. Um, a lot of, I've watched a lot of other stuff. Don't necessarily have anything else that I want to like promote because it's just I watched Jojo Rabbit, which is a fun movie about. My wife and I watched uh, uh, Hot Rod last night <laughs> for the first oh, time in really? a long time. Uh, oh yeah, well that's a fun movie. We, that's definitely a fun. We movie. watched that movie so much for quite a while after it came out, and we probably haven't watched it in probably close to a decade. But we watched it last night and. Like there was one part where it's like, oh, you got to watch. I'm like, I don't have to watch. Like, I know this movie inside and out. <laughs> like, I don't even have to be looking to know what's going on. Uh, it was fun, though. 
Yeah. Yeah, that that's one of those that's like a... It, Super stupid. But now fun. you made me... Da- <laughs> dang it. Yeah, exactly that. It, you made you just made me want to go watch it again. I'm going to make yeah, my kid did. watch it tomorrow. My oh, man. That's, yeah. that's one of those movies I could drop a lot of quotes on. Uh, yeah, so I enjoyed watching that again. Um, you know, one thing that struck me about that movie... Um, so when the Ninja Turtle movie came out, the first one, like, all I remember is... Well, I mean, first of all, everybody's shitting on it. Um, but then so many people be like, oh, Will Arnett was the only good thing about that movie. And first of all, Will Arnett was not the only good thing about that movie. Will Arnett was hardly good in that movie. Uh, he was just there, and he was somebody that people knew. Um, but, uh, so I was kind of thinking, like, watching Hot Rod. and Like, he did his role well in Hot Rod, because he was the douchebag yeah, that you hated. Yeah. And I was like yeah. watching it. I realized there was literally only one part in that movie that he actually made me laugh, but it was as intended. Like he was not intended to make you laugh throughout it. He was intended to make you cringe. I just thought, I just thought that was oh, funny. Yeah. Like as much as uh, you know, in the Ninja movie, like whatever, he was just there. I don't think he, in any way, shape, or form, was the only bright spot of that movie. Um, yeah, he was just there, and people are like, "Oh, Will Arnett." So I'm gonna say that was what was good. Um, it. Like, I just thought it was kind of funny watching Hot Rod again and being like, he literally, like, only made you hate him in this movie. And he did it so well. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I do enjoy Will That's Arnett. a talent right yeah, there. seriously. That's a talent. Um, yes, yeah, so it was fun watching that. We've been watching a lot of Bob's Burgers. Um, started kind of binging on that. But then I, I can never binge like my wife does. Like, she'll just binge the same show every now. I'm like, I want to go play a video game for a little bit or something. So I've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, I got a yeah. I got a haircut in the game the other day that was kind of nice. Um, with everybody <laughs> complaining about not being able to get haircuts, um, I did think it was funny. Uh, one person on Twitter talking about how they needed to like look up a video of how to use hair clippers to buzz their head, and I was yeah like I I, I was like you you don't really need help with that. <laughs> it's not that hard. No, like if you don't. I had to figure out how I, to I, shave I my head with it. a razor. Without any help, as a person, <laughs> as a person who's cut their own hair since two thousand New Year's Eve in nineteen ninety nine, yeah, you don't need help. It's easy. Yeah, you, you just be careful. And uh, <laughs> speaking of funny uh, haircuts, my, my my as we're speaking, my my daughter, my oldest daughter, not the youngest one, because if she'd have done it, it'd been a nightmare. <laughs> my oldest daughter just gave my wife a hair is giving my wife a haircut right now. Just because in dyeing your hair and all this stuff, so yeah, yeah, it's good stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Clippers, just don't, you know, just be careful. Um, make sure you got the right size guard on because if you, uh, if you're not, care- I, 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 like I said, I've been cutting my hair since I usually shave my head because you know losing the hair anyhow might not keep it short. But there was a period of time where I kept it a little bit longer. And one night I asked my cousin, said, there's a spot back here that I can't get right. I can't see it. Can you fix it? Of course, my beloved cousin, he had had a few drinks (laughs) and I shouldn't have been asking him to do that. And I didn't, I wasn't smart enough to put a guard on it. I just thought he would be careful and get this little, little bit. And instead (laughs) he just zapped it down to the skull. And so I ended up shaving my head all the way down anyhow. So yeah, yeah, good times all around. Yeah, I I started, uh, you know this, but I started I started uh, going all the way down to a razor. Which if I let my hair yeah. grow, like if if I don't shave my head with a razor, 
at least once a week, then I got to use clippers mm-hmm. first anyways. And honestly, like I, I don't yeah. often shave, shave it with a razor often enough, uh, cause it eats the razor up pretty damn quickly. Um, yeah. so I'll let it grow a little bit, but I hate it once it starts getting any length to it because just the way that, yeah. that I'm losing hair, uh, I just don't like it, you know? Um, no, so I'm no, I understand that. very much rather just embrace the baldness and, uh, not try to pretend like I'm not, um, have you, uh, have you seen Alex Caruso? Lakers player? I don't think so. Google, Google so, Alex Caruso. This poor young man is in his, uh, 20s. Google him. Look at his hair and you will see why I shaved my head bald. I'm doing I, it. I don't speak. even think I'd be as, quite as bad as him, but that is exactly why I shaved my head oh, bald. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. I got to keep it short. Definitely got to keep it short. Yeah, but... uh, Just embrace it. There's no shame in it. Just embrace it. If you're losing your hair, just just do it. Everybody should do it. Well, uh, one more thing, because we got probably should end this, because my voice is about to give out. <laughs> and I've, I've been thoroughly enjoyed. I've been missing talking to you so much. And we need to do this much sooner than two months. Please hold me to this. Month and a half. I will is. make it happen. <laughs> Well, let's do, let's shoot for three weeks at the majority, maybe. Um, my, I've got my dad and I've got an uncle that both, <coughs> excuse me, I live here on the same area as them. We work together. They're both in their seventies. They have no hair and they will go weekly to get a haircut which I do not understand. Yeah, you know, some people do that. My buddy Clean back in California, uh Charlie Lyon. Yeah. He uh he's he's a rapper. Um mm-hmm. awesome guy, great artist. Um but he like it's it's one of his weekly routines to go and get his haircut. He keeps it like I I don't think he's balding like I am, but he's always kept it real short, real tight, you know. Yeah. But it's just yeah, his thing yeah. like every week he goes and gets his haircut. And then he gets he goes to this one Chinese food place, you know. So a lot of people oh, make yeah. a routine like that. But I mean, like when you're doing that, it's you're probably habit. spending like maybe at most upwards of twenty bucks. But yeah, some people spend yeah. a lot more. But yeah, it's I when when I started losing my hair, I started you know buzzing it. You know, I got shorter and shorter. I started going guardless with my clipper. And yeah. I just like I was not sure, not sure about going razor with it, you know. And, um, yeah, I had one guy that worked for me that he, he shaved it with the razor. Same thing with me, you know? So he, he went with the razor and, um, so he's like, Oh, you should do it. You should do it. And I didn't. And he actually stopped working for me. I started doing it. He ended up coming back to me for a while. So he came back and I was doing it. So I was like, I, I, I couldn't like, you know, copy your style, but I could do it on my own. But the first time I shaved my head with a razor, my wife didn't notice yeah. because I had been doing it clipperless, regardless with the clippers. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. visibly, like, it didn't really look different than uh-huh. uh, doing it guardless, you know? So, uh, I don't know. It's like... I've never I've never gone the razor route. I've just never done it. But, you know, one more quick... I used to work for Barnes Noble. And... I started cutting my hair short, just shaving it all off in the early 2000s. And then I got a job at Barnes Noble and I would let it grow out a little bit, but I'd keep it short. And then I, all of a sudden, like, the heck with this. I don't like this. 
I just went all the way back down, right? It was funny. There were like at least three other guys, younger guys, all of a sudden just like saw me do that. <laughs> and they just embraced it and just did it. And one of them did the whole rate. He did. He just went all the way and just kept it. He just kept with the razor too. He just like kept it that way. Cause it's like, cause he was uh, actually, he was like probably 10 to 15 years younger than me at the time, 10 years younger than me, I'd say. And he was more, had a more, a bigger problem with receding hairline than I did at the time. And I just liked to keep it short. And he just like, it's almost like a relief to see somebody else do it. It's like, it's okay. Just do it. And he, he did it. Another guy did it. And I think another guy did it. It's like, just, just embrace being bald. Cause it's going to happen anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. It, oh, it's funny God. how it is. It's, Some it's, people need yeah. the, the safety and somebody else doing it first. For me, it was the other way where like, I, like I, Having the example was a benefit, but I needed to not do it following somebody else to do it. Like, I had to do it on my own accord, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Ah, but It's been a pleasure. It's been a definite pleasure talking to you, buddy. I've missed talking to you for a while. Yeah, this has been yeah. good. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, I got to say, it's been weird going through all the craziness. So, with as crazy as everything has been the last month-ish... Uh, yes. it's definitely harder going through it where everybody's going through stuff. And like, I, I haven't been able to talk to you regularly. Um, yeah. like pretty much you and my cousin, Mike are the only people I could talk to or that I exactly, normally yeah. talk to anyways. And like between you going through all the stuff you've been going through, then my cousin, Mike working from home, uh, his job changed. So like he's around his family a lot more, which is an awesome thing. Very much a good thing. But, uh, um, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like we used to be able to like text more often cause I would text him when he was at work and yeah. now like it doesn't work out that way anymore. So it was, uh, it's, it's yeah. definitely like, I definitely could see the difference, like not having somebody to go to for that, like mental relief of having somebody to talk to what was going on, you know? But, um, yeah, I want to, so I've mentioned these people throughout the podcast, but I want to make a bunch of shout outs at the end of this. Um, Absolutely. Just, uh, a lot of people that I've talked to or interacted with or appreciate what they've done. Um, so I'm just going to rattle through everybody we've talked to. So uh, Chris is at Chris Parton on Twitter. Uh, he has uh, multiple things in the works. I don't know how much he has launched yet, but he has been uh, working on starting a blog of his own about his journey through uh, through X-Men. Yeah. Um, as well I as that out the other day, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty darn oh, good. Oh, does he have too. a go- last yeah. time I talked to him? I mean, I, I like, I'll talk to him regularly on Twitter, but I don't know if he actually had the first time he showed me, he had the website before he had any content. So, um, he has content. Awesome. I saw something about, he had some, he's telling some stories about his, his journey through different like comics and yeah. stuff like that. And I read it and he's, he's a, he's an interesting and, and talented yeah, yeah, I really, I really out. appreciate Chris. I've been interacting with him for quite a while on on Twitter. Um, I've sold him stuff, I've traded stuff, I've all sorts of stuff like that. But he's one person that uh, I really appreciate the interaction I, I've had with you, Chris. And uh, like he's somebody that if I just feel like I need to reach out to somebody, I know that like I can just chat him up to you know chat with somebody. Um, yeah. This next group I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna lump together uh, because I just listened, as I mentioned for the first time, to the DC Everything Else podcast. 
if you want to find it, it's on the DC Noise podcast feed. Um, it is uh, Mike Myers. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Mike Myers Brunch. Mike was part of the first Valiant podcast I listened to, and he's a part of the reason that I started podcasting in the first place. Um, yeah. So it's Mike, yeah. it's Rob at Rob Krieger, uh, it's Kirk at Big Army 5, and Joe at Iowa's Joe uh, on Twitter. Yep. But I've been talking to uh, Joe and Kirk a lot more than I ever had. Um, and Rob, I regularly talk to. Mike, I don't talk to exceptionally regularly, but Mike is kind of like one of those guys that uh, is like family where you cannot talk to him for a while and then talk to him and it doesn't matter, you know? Um, right, yeah. So I appreciate Mike um, and all those guys. And if you've been following Mike on Twitter, uh, he has been uh, struggling with how he approaches comics lately. And I really appreciate him being candid, sharing what he's feeling with everything. So thank you, Mike. Um, yeah, yeah. I mentioned uh, the guys that I shipped a box of comics to that I just asked for the postage to be able to ship it priority mail. Um, that was also so I didn't have to buy a box and so I could do it quite simply and made it really easy. So uh, they got a bunch of comics for very cheap considering and I didn't make anything off of it because it was just the postage. But uh, Alan at Professor Alan on Twitter, um, I actually asked him what he was a professor of. Uh, but he does the quarter bin podcast, the doom speak podcast and the comics reading journal podcast. Uh, and let me double check what he said that he, I don't want to misspeak here. He is a professor of finance and management. Um, I think it's funny oh, because wow. my, my friend Alan that we've talked about, uh, as in regards to, uh, blood Murray and he's also a professor. So I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> um, Tim Paget, I believe, is just a comic fan, but he's on Twitter at Tim Paget three, uh, and then Chris at Chris Chris Savvy C H R I S A V Y one. Um, he does Lost in Comics, um, which, as I said, he sent me a YouTube link. So I don't know if he has a podcast. Also, I got to check more into that. But I was definitely entertained just by the brief little view I had of his YouTube uh, video. And he's down in Texas. Yeah. Yep. Um, I don't believe I mentioned this. So actually, let me tell this brief little story here. So, you know, Ronnie at Ronbar316 on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. He's been a friend of mine for a long time. Uh, I helped him get into podcasting when he wanted to start a wrestling podcast. Um, and, uh, you know, I think back to this relates to, to the story that I'm telling now. But, um, when I got into Terry Moore, I read Rachel Rising, and I told Ronnie about it. He ended up reading it. Yeah, we did a podcast. He did a he did a legendary read of it. Yeah, a, a small group of people and about know how he like read it all in like a day. Super super duper like fast. That. He actually uh, <coughs> he I started before him and he finished before me and I read it quickly. Um, yeah, but he so. That was when I was still doing podcasts on Nerdy Legion, and I was in the Comics in Black and White podcast, and we did that one yeah, at yeah. 6 in the morning, Eastern Time, so even earlier for him. We got up super early. I got up before my family got up, because it was really hard to find time to record podcasts at that time with my, my family dynamic with the needs of my, my son. And yeah, oh, uh, yeah, he got yeah. up super early to do that with me, and I had a freaking ball doing that with you, Ronnie, so I, I want you to know that. Um, Ronnie, I super appreciate things that he's done. Uh, you know, we're talking about the circle of comics life. He has sent me stuff for no damn reason. And you've done this too, but both of you guys, when you sent me stuff, sent 
presents for my son just because. Like, yeah. Ronnie went out and bought crap to send to my kid just because. Um, and, like, Ronnie, I will tell you that my son loved every bit of the things that you sent to him. The uh, They were, like, little uh, little, little tiny uh, blind bags of WWE wrestlers. Um, <laughs> and my yeah. son loved blind bags at, those t- at that time. So, um, but, so... I was chatting with Ronnie one day, and he was talking about wanting to get the. We we're talking about hardcovers, and he showed me something he got, and um, it got on to talking about Terry Moore, and um, his love for Terry Moore, I believe, has eclipsed my love for Terry Moore. And um, yeah, I asked him if he wanted the Strangers in Paradise soft cover omnibus. Yep. I had that because yeah. I had bought that. Uh. A while back. And I ended up selling it to our friend Jay at Jay Forgets on Twitter. Yeah. Who is also a very, very yep. kind, generous person. I sold it to him. He's a wonderful, wonderful guy. Yeah. Best of the rest. Definitely. Best of the rest with Dennis, yeah. who is also uh, a very, very oh, generous. Guys. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um, They're all wonderful I people. I lots of stories about these guys. Make them blush. Oh, um, yeah. So Jay bought the omnibus from me. Uh, when I was like starting to go more digital, uh, and I, so I sold it to him, you know, gave, gave him a better deal than what I paid for it. Of course, that's my MO. Um, but then when he got the hardcover version, because Jay really loves Terry Moore, he got the hardcover strangers in paradise omnibus. He gifted it back to me. Oh, wow. But I had it all digital yeah. also, which, uh, by the way, was also Jay helped me finish getting it all digitally because he's way yeah, too sweet yeah. of a son of a bitch. Um, but then when I was talking to Ronnie, I, he I just... Was, he, he, he would deny that. <laughs> he would deny that 100%. He's an irascible son of a bitch. That's what he would love to hear. He could deny it all he wants to make it true. Um, I know. So it. he gifted that back to me, and... Um, I greatly appreciate that. But then I knew so yeah. jo- Ronnie had just done a lot of stuff that I couldn't really repay too. And I knew that Ronnie would really love it. He really loves omnibuses and all that stuff. So I, I gifted it back to Ronnie. Oh, yeah. And I made sure to say, like, hey, yeah. this is basically by way of Jay. So Jay, Ronnie, both of you guys. Yeah. Um wonderful people who just had lots of positivity uh to my life. So thank you guys. Um so I mentioned Spose. He's on Twitter at Spizzy Spose. You can check him out on Tuesday, the twenty-first, on Twitch at the Real Spose to see him do uh, an online live concert. Uh, real positive guy. Really appreciate him. Um, I mentioned uh, Rafer Roberts at Plastic Farm on Twitter. Uh, he wrote some stuff for Valiant. Um, he's done some wonderful modern fantasy, yeah. which I now have a signed number <laughs> one co- copy of, which I love that. I love that series. I love Rafer Roberts and, uh, and thank you for that. My he's friend. a wonderful guy. So Very creative that, that, stuff. That was a surprise. Modern fantasy. Yeah. It yeah, resonated more with you than with me. Cause the fantasy stuff, just like that, that was never my, my oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. But he also did, um, grumble with Mike Norton on art. That's very yeah. good. So check that out. Yeah. Um, Limitless Wrestling, uh, I mentioned them. Uh, you can definitely check them out um, if you're into wrestling. They do some wonderful stuff. I mentioned at uh, Sage Francis on Twitter. He's an artist that I've definitely appreciated, and just uh, uh, you know, another one of those guys who he made his living 
by you know touring and you know connecting with fans hand to hand so if you appreciate him definitely like right. check him out and see see what you could do to get something for yourself that helps support him so those are all the people I talked about today I kind of wanted to throw some shout outs out there um a lot of stuff going Heck on yeah, and these are a lot of the people that have been kind of giving me something to focus on in the last month or so so and and the E in H E K Studios is Marie Anger. Thank you. With an E. And uh she shares the studio with uh Matt Kent and uh uh my my mind just brought blank. <laughs> Brian Brian Hurt. Brian Hurt. Uh and she does uh she does comic art and creates comics and she's you'll look her up and uh check out the if you got kids and you wanna have some free time. Make him listen to a story on Audible for free. Uh, all you have to do is stream it, and they can listen to all kinds of stories. It's been a joy talking to you, my buddy. Yeah, you too. This has been great. I think both of our voices are failing on us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mine's like, yeah. It's getting raw. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, we'll aim to be back in two or three weeks. And, uh, yeah, this is this is this has been good. I I. I, I've been looking forward to this, but it's kind of there's been so much going on that I've kind of put just even put it out of my my mind. Yeah, and getting yeah. together and doing this has just been great. I've been very much enjoying this. So, hit me up on Twitter at Who's Paul. Hit Sparky up on Twitter at MD Sparkman. Uh, yeah, that's it. Adios.